Imagine laying it all down, putting your life on the line and losing your life for something you believe in. Do you believe in anything that strongly? Elijah Lovejoy did. Elijah Lovejoy made the ultimate sacrifice so that his fellow man could live a free life. Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your host, Christy and Scott. Hey, it's Old Timey Crimey. I'm Christy. I'm Scott. And I'm Amber. And we are here for you again this week to talk about stuff and stuff. So, um, yeah, um, I want to do rays of light. What are rays of light? And I want to start because I have one that hopefully by, by the end of this weekend will be a ray of light. Um, I don't believe I told you guys it was kind of I was just kind of like keeping it to myself, but I had a goal that I wanted to hit. Uh, as you know, we started this podcast on my birthday, or we started publishing that day. And uh, I was looking at the numbers about a month ago, maybe. I don't know. Time doesn't really mean anything anymore. <laughs> like every year is a day. Every day is a year. I don't know what's wait, happening. Wait, wait. What is this weird concept you call time? Time, time. yes. Time. <laughs> Tell me more of this strange earth thing. Well, there's minutes, and they sometimes feel like hours, and then there's hours, and they sometimes feel like days, and then there are days that feel like months, and months that feel like decades, and it's just great. Gronk um, angry at time. <laughs> so I decided that I wanted us to hit a certain number of downloads by my birthday. I felt that it would be fitting, it being a year and everything, and it would just be nice to see that number. That number is 10,000 in total for the year since we began and as of right now and we have a couple of days till my birthday we are at 9,793 Ooh. Ooh. so watching those numbers over the weekend and seeing if we hit my goal is going to be uh my ray of light which i think we should if we don't hit it by sunday i think we should hit it by monday so um so yeah that is that is my ray of light i'm i'm very proud of us and what we've accomplished here together and I'm looking forward to the next 10,000, the next 10,000 after that, and so on and so forth. And we're so glad that everybody is, is here listening. And uh, hopefully we can give you some distraction, um, if not, probably not comfort. We're not very comforting. No, we're, we're <laughs> not good at comfort. Yeah, mur and murder is just in general not a very comforting thing. It's just the way it goes. But at least some distraction and some entertainment uh, in, your, in your time of need. So, so yeah, uh, what have you guys got for Rays of Light? I have been crafting. Nice. There, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing drum lessons right now, of course, because, you know. It's hard to do it when you have to be six feet away or in another it, building. Exactly. Exactly. And quite honestly, I just don't want to right now. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah. It's, uh, but, yeah, I have been crafting. And, and uh, in between crafting... I have been growing a relationship with a very special lady. Aww. And uh, yeah, so I've got crafting in a full heart. Yay. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, love in, <laughs> love in the time of COVID-19. Oh, man. <laughs> How about you, Amber? Um, I have been stuck in my house, uh, working from home, kids at home. Um, I've been drinking a lot unrelated uh 
and I'm trying to figure out how to order on the liquor store website that has crashed within two hours of opening every single day since it started. Um, but now I don't know. Like I guess my way of ascension is we we developed this habit where in the mornings I start very early, and the first kid that wakes up, regardless of which kid it is, comes downstairs and eats my breakfast. <laughs> Oh, it, it has become a thing and it's actually kind of adorable. Like I'm not even mad about it. So like my breakfast is usually like a, a non-fat vanilla yogurt with um, granola, just like a healthy way to start the day. And the kids have discovered that it is also delicious. So they come downstairs and they, they bring their tablet down and they sit on my lap while I'm working and they eat my breakfast for me. Uh, that is that has become the morning ritual, and now they actually race each other to find like to try to wake up earlier than the other one and eat my breakfast. Okay, that's kind of adorable. It is. It's really cute. It's like it's mildly aggravating, but it's really cute. So I'm not even like that mad about it. Um, so I guess that's my ray of sunshine. It is. It's pretty adorable. You take in in times like this, and I, I'm no strangers to times like this. Uh, listeners to the podcast will know that. I lived in Salisbury, Pennsylvania, whenever FEMA took over in 98 because of three tornadoes in three days. It's important to like kind of gleam on to the stuff that that really makes you happiest. And uh, you know what? If children stealing your food makes you happy, eh, so be it. I'd punt the little fuckers across the street. Ain't nobody <laughs> eating my food. This is called social distancing. Thunk. Yeah, toddlers don't understand that at all. No, no, they they're they, they're the opposite. They're anti-social distancing very much. This yeah. is why I'll probably never be a parent. <laughs> well, somebody who would never punt the little fuckers across the street was Elijah Parrish Lovejoy. <laughs> we don't, don't know. know that for certain. Yeah, I was gonna say we don't actually know that. <laughs> he, he seemed like not really the punt uh, punting type. <laughs> I don't know. Although who knows, who knows? You never, you never know. But uh, but from everything we do know about him, he was actually a really great guy. Uh, he was born in Albion, Maine, on November 9th, eighteen o two, oldest of nine children. For uh, Elizabeth, his mother, who was a homemaker, and his father Daniel, who was a farmer and congregational preacher. And I had never heard of congregationalism, so of course I had to look it up. It's a form of Protestantism that um, they tend to be very active in social reform politics like temperance, abolition, and votes for women. I can only get behind two of those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Elizabeth's maiden name. It's, I haven't decided on how I want to pronounce it. It's either Patty or Pate. I think I like Patty. Yeah, Elizabeth Patti. I like so, that. That's a, that's yeah. a cute name. I I don't know why, but I like that. It trips right off the tongue. It's, it it's does. very it's very melodic. So Daniel Lovejoy, he wasn't very educated. Um, so he wanted something more for his sons. And <laughs> notice he's, notice it's sons, of course. <laughs> the women can fend for themselves. They're just baby factories. Yeah. They just need to learn how to be barefoot and pregnant and make sandwiches. So he... Boy, I got a little horny just then. What the fuck Jesus. was that? <laughs> so he got them uh, into reading the Bible young uh, and also some other religious material pretty young. 
So this is kind of a uh, religion kind of instilled into uh, Elijah Parish Lovejoy from a young age, but also this, this religion that is uh, very much about, you know, like social reform. So you have to imagine that, you know, there, there's some sort of progressivism going along with the religion. Uh, he went to Waterville College and uh, for two years, he was actually, there was a, a high school that was associated with the college and he did such a good job at school that they were like, why don't you go be headmaster over there? You're clearly good at this. Although he would come to never like teaching. He would always do teaching for like two months and he was like, I'm done with this. No, I'm going to do other things. So the headmaster kind of is what I call my wife. <laughs> She's quite good at it, you know. <laughs> So he graduated Waterville College in 1826, and he was the valedictorian. Very impressive. Um, and like I said, he did some teaching, but it just did Hold you have something. He, yeah, he was, he was not only valedictorian; he was also named as class poet. Oh, I did not have that. Fascinating. Wait, he was named class poet, and Christie didn't know it. <laughs> oh, well done, bravo! Thank you, thank you. That's why I'm here. <laughs> and my stunning good looks. <laughs> so, all right, class poet. I love it. Oh, I like this guy so much. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he he did do some teaching. Really wasn't his deal. He just could not get into it. And you know what? There are days when I love teaching, and there are days when I'm just like, I'm totally Elijah Parrish Lovejoy. <laughs> I'm just like... I'm, I'm, is it summer yet? Can it be? And it's like September 3rd. You know? I, I have got to give props to, to all teachers because the amount of crap that they put, like they are put through constantly. And in this day and age, not just by the kids, but by the shitty parents too. Like props to all teachers, man. Cause that is, I could not do it. I I'll could you, not. In my lessons, just teaching drums. Uh, I can't tell you that I get more trouble from the parents than I do the kids. Parents yeah. can be crazy entitled these days sometimes. Not all of them. There's, it's just always, as, as with all bad things in humanity, it's always a small segment of the population, but they ruin it for everybody, you know? Oh, I do. Oh, I do. <laughs> you do. So he decided he wanted to serve God. He goes to his old professors and they said, go west, young man, but not in a westward, westward expansion, manifest destiny kind of way, just in a, you know, hey, you can do some good over there, go that way. Um, and they, they said, you can serve God over there. So he's like, well, I'm going to go to Illinois. And that you sounds like thinking, something you tell somebody who has bad body over. I think you'd be best serving God over in this general direction, very far away from me. Several <laughs> states away. It's called speed stick. It's not expensive. Jesus. <laughs> but this, this is the 1800s. Like, I mean, we're talking 1820s now that he's graduated college, like 1830s, maybe, depending on where we're at in the story. Like, I imagine most people smelled bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was everybody just got nose blind to it, I'm sure. You know, you just didn't, you just didn't smell it anymore unless somebody was particularly egregious. As Lovejoy was. We don't, <laughs> we don't know that for certain. So. Known for his strong beliefs and his strong body odor. <laughs> no, not, not true. Not true. We don't know that. Just the first part. Um, so, and this is, um, this is okay, I, I love this. He has to work to save up some money to actually get to Illinois. So he goes to Boston and he couldn't find work. So he's like, all right, well, if I can't get money for transportation, I'll just walk there. Dude just sets off 
in like May 1827 and just starts hoofing it. And he, he stops in June 1827 in New York City. So that's that's 216 miles <laughs> just walking. Like we, I mean, granted, we, we aren't really leaving our houses these days. So that definitely seems extreme. But as soon as I read that, I was just like, my eyebrows just went right up into my hairline. I was like, okay. <laughs> by foot. He did it by... Uh, every once in a while, you hear of somebody making an amazing journey by foot. I cannot remember who the person was. This Forrest Gump. No, it wasn't Forrest Gump. <laughs> trust me. This was this was a kid, uh, and I want to say it was in like the 1920s or 30s. Uh, he he got horrible infections in his legs, and if I'm if I'm remembering the story right, God, I'm pulling this out from years and years ago, and it's a true story. He he got like these horrible infections from mosquito bites in the local swamp. So. The Mayo Clinic heard about it. They said, if you can get from where you're at to Minnesota, to the Mayo Clinic, we'll treat you for free. So the kid jumps on his bike and bikes to, the, bikes to Minnesota. And it's from like, from like the southern United States to Minnesota. And, and like, like certain nights, like sheriffs will let him spend nights in jail cells and people take him in. Some nights he sleeps outside. Whenever he gets to the Mayo Clinic, his legs are fine. The, the increased blood circulation through the legs from pumping his bike actually healed him. Hmm. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Get out and walk. <laughs> Just, you know, stay six feet away from people. Exactly. Now. Now, yeah. In a couple Eventually. of months, you'll be able to French kiss people, strangers, right on the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Absolutely. Why not? It'll be uh, it'll be the, the 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 sailor and the nurse picture. There it <laughs> After is. After World there. War II, just everywhere, sailors and nurses, just people making out as far as the eye can see. That's the dream, people. That's the dream. So, I, I got a little excited about that, actually. You've been getting excited an awful lot, Amber, during just the the short I time. I I am not a person this. that is meant to be pent up. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are not. <laughs> that is true. So he does manage to get a job, back to Elijah Parrish Lovejoy, uh, selling subscriptions to the Saturday Evening Gazette. Uh, for about five weeks he does that, and he's, st- he's, he's, he's doing the door-to-door thing, you know? And I kind of feel like, you know, we'll see him a lot in newspapers later, and I kind of feel uh-huh. like this is the beginning of him, you know, feeling, really feeling the power of the press jesus christ he walked all the way to new york and then gets a job walking again <laughs> i know right they were like Fuck. well you're clearly really good at this so why don't you do it all day long every day hey <laughs> it could be worse he could be like a sawdust collector this is true jesus. yes yes that's right that was a thing so he writes to the president of his college who sends him the money to travel. So really, he probably could have just done this from the beginning. But I admire his work ethic. I admire the, his, his determination. So there's that, at least. He didn't, he didn't want to go, um, you know, you could call it begging. You could call it groveling. You could just call it politely asking or, you know, looking to a friend for help. He didn't want to do that until he tried every route possible. So I give him lots of, lots of credit for that. 
um, he does make it to Illinois, and ironically, there's not much going on there. He's like, I can't do anything here. There's like three people in the five square miles. I'm going to have to walk so much. No, no more walking. <laughs> I'm done. Can I have a wheelchair or a scooter or something? <laughs> and so he goes to St. Louis, finally. His his trip just there is just, it's so like... You know, there's Boston and, and disappointment there and New York and disappointment there. And then he finally gets to his destination. He's like, well, crap, this isn't anything like what I needed. So he does end up in St. Louis. Missouri was an interesting place um, at that point in time. It was a slave state, basically an island slave state in, in, in a sea of, of free states. And so you can see that in this period of time, I mean, we're talking about the, the late 1820s. There's going to be, in, in that situation, it's, it's, it's kind of a powder keg. And, and you're going to have a, a lot of people, you know, from, from who have one belief and people who have another belief uh, conflicting quite a bit. Um, and St. Louis is a pretty big uh, port as well. So there's, you know, that draws lots of people. He once again teaches for a while. <laughs> as is his pattern. Then he gets some poems published in uh, in local papers, and he's like, eh, done with the teaching. <laughs> and he ends up being an editor for the St. Louis Times. Uh, he would hire, actually, slaves, or, or you, I would call them at this point former slaves, if they're getting you know a, a, a job for which somebody is actually paying them money and considering them a human being, uh, at the paper. And would, would, he really changed some, some lives that way. Uh, you have to imagine that probably wasn't uh it was it seems like it was probably a risky thing to do because going uh as far as to you know show blatantly show not even just publish or anything but blatantly show uh your 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 feelings toward abolition your pro feelings toward abolition uh it seems like it would be really uh could be possibly scandalous okay so um in 1832 he decided he wanted to become a minister so he goes to the Princeton Theological Seminary, which anybody else find that a bit redundant? I mean, are there seminaries that aren't theological, like maybe for atheists? Uh, I guess the Universal Life Church. Maybe, yeah. There <laughs> yeah. Are, yeah. <laughs> uh, he takes their three-year course, which he finishes in a little over a year. Uh, like a year and two months. And I got this God stuff down pat. Hit me with it. Come on. I was born into this. My dad had me reading Bibles when I was a fetus. <laughs> yeah, but like pretty much. So he probably could have walked in and be like, give me the final. Like yeah. right now. <laughs> Basically. My dad shoved a Bible right up my mom's hoo-ha and had me reading it as a zygote. Now, I had nine brothers and sisters, so it wasn't that uncomfortable for her. <laughs> well, he was the first, so that would have been uncomfortable probably. Wow. By, the, by the ninth, yeah, it's, it's, it's no. I imagine <laughs> so. Nobody wants that family heirloom. <laughs> no, no, do not pass that down. <laughs> but he was ordained by the Presbyterian Church of USA in 1833. So he basically is like, I'm going to become a minister. And like, boom, done. You know, like magic wand, except it's probably 14 months of a lot of hard work. So he goes back to St. Louis and he is the pastor of and I have no idea if I'm pronouncing this right or not. De Pere? Des Perez? Something like that? Uh, Presbyterian Church. 
also starts up an anti-slavery newspaper, the St. Louis Observer. He gets some friends to, to float him a little float him a little cash to help out with this. Um, seems to be another another theme. Well, welcome to our uh, welcome to our new podcast. White people are terrible. <laughs> yes. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he was really outspoken in his abolitionist beliefs. And he also would write articles that criticized other religions, especially he seemed to uh, not be a big fan of Catholicism. Kind of, I mean, if he, if he were alive today, he'd be like, I could have told you, <laughs> you know. Yeah. He was really ahead of his time. Black people should be treated as normal humans. Maybe priests shouldn't rape children. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, I don't I mean, like this man in his forward thinking ways. He was also, of course, like very much with the with the temperance and, and everything as well. So, um, but hey, twenties, it's the twenties. Uh, so you know, maybe that'll happen again. Please don't. Please to to be fair, don't. to be fair, imagine imagine this guy living in this essentially like island of slavery, and he goes in to a bar, and it's all these rowdy guys talking about like owning like owning black people as property and they're drinking and smoking. I'm sorry. You're going to correlate one with the other. That is possibly true. It could also possibly be, I mean, the temperance was part of his upbringing as well. Um, so I, I kind of doubt that he would even go into uh, a bar, <laughs> you know, yeah. unless it was to, to tell people that they shouldn't be doing the things that they're doing there. It's been, it's St. Louis. I've been to St. Louis. The entire town is one bar. They check your ID before you go in. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I feel like he so, was probably a bit of a wet blanket though. And, and avoided that scene. I can agree with you on like, that. Yeah. This is the type Probably of person not. that goes to bed at 7 o'clock at night. Very much so, yes. <laughs> so, uh, but he was not, he, would, he was never hesitant to speak up about his beliefs and about what he thought was right and wrong. And this, even in, in the face of adversity and even in the face of uh, downright, you know, like property destruction and violence, his printing press was destroyed three times oh. by slavery advocates. Wait, wait, okay. So, um, I actually, I want to play a game with you guys. Sure. Call, count the printing press. So. <laughs> yes, we should, we should play that. All right. Um. So I actually, I was trying to count this and I was getting a little lost in this. So, um, we're, we're going to, we're going to try to count this. So in 1835, he gets married to Celia Ann French. They have two children, Edward and Charlotte. Um, only two, only two, I guess walking's bad for the sperm count. Well, Anyway, um, it's rubbing the balls rub together and cause a lot of friction. I know, but so. I'm, I'm pretty sure they only had two because um, he only let's yeah. say, think of the timeline. Think of the timeline. This is in 35. <laughs> he gets married. They have two kids. They only had time for two. Uh. Ah, all right. So in 1835, he gets a letter signed by a number of important men in St. Louis telling him that he needs to moderate his tone regarding... And I would like to... Inter inter I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Continue what you were saying. I was just going to say, it was also some of his friends as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, so in response, Lovejoy actually just made a net, another editorial reiterating his views and his right to publish them. Um, so that got his first press destroyed. Okay. Um, that was, that was the catalyst. So, so they came in and, um, destroyed his press and burgled his home. Okay. And then he moved across the river because then he thought he could live in Illinois and write without fear. And he shipped a press to him and they smashed it at the dock. Hang on a second. I think that's jumping ahead a little bit because I feel like the Observer Press itself, like at the at the um, in St. Louis, was destroyed three times before. He oh even... my God, was that one destroyed three times? How many presses has this poor man? All right, so I'm counting them now. All right, I'm. Gonna... I feel like I feel like that vampire Muppet Muppet is needed. Okay. Yes, we need. All right. So you start talking Shop about that because maybe I was jumping ahead. I didn't realize that one was also destroyed. That's just my info. I don't know if it's right or if they're somehow like including that, um, because the, the the confusion is that when he moves to Illinois, he starts the Alton Observer. So there's the St. Louis Observer and there's the Alton Observer. So they could just be counting like once in St. Louis and then twice, you know, in in Alton, or is it three times in St. Louis and then continuing on to Alton? So that is, I'm not sure which. To go with okay let's here. let's go with three in st louis sure, okay yeah three you go ahead louis. and talk about that though and i'm going to count the rest of the ones i have <laughs> well that's pretty much what i what i have there is that he yeah he it was destroyed three times by uh pro-slavery jackasses uh he did actually when 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 people were telling him you know you got to stop talking about slavery um or at least you know as, as amber said moderate your tone um, because they were saying that, you know, there was rumors that a mob was going to join up and they were, you know, going to do something, you know, either to him or to the press or to the, the, the paper office, something. Uh, he refused to relent even when his own paper said, no, we're not going to do any more slavery articles. And he just kept on putting out the, the, the anti-slavery articles. He did eventually agree to resign. Uh, and it, the, his resignation was accepted, but then the Observer came under new ownership. And I have to feel like this was somehow some some subterfuge or something going on there. And the new owners were like, stay on, stay on board. We like controversy. It sells papers. <laughs> you know, something like, I don't know if that was their reasoning, but it makes sense. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and then some trouble came along in uh, April 1836. You had uh, Francis Macintosh, and okay, we came across this in 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 another pod in, in another episode, and I just I keep on seeing it places, and I always feel like it's just a step down from when we talked about the 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 racial slurs quadroon and octoroon and stuff. Mulatto, it feels yes. that was actually mentioned racist. in in one of the last ones. Yeah, yeah, that word came up, and I've always, I always feel a little skeevy about it, like a little. I feel like mixed race, or am I missing something about the, the definition of mulatto that they're not the same? Just one is like not politically correct and kind of super old fashioned. Whenever I was growing up, mulatto, it, it was, it, it was meant two different things. It could either be white and black; that would be considered mulatto. Or black and Spanish, like like black and Latino, was also considered mulatto. So, but as far as everything goes, I think the word biracial 
Biracial. There we go. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So biracial. We'll say a, a biracial boatman named Francis McIntosh. He is being arrested and he kills the two policemen arresting him. A mob. So many mobs in this, guys. Just get ready. Just people just got together in big crowds. It's not anything like we're seeing right now. And so many germs. And they, they did bad things together. Um, so the mob uh, tied him up and burned him to death. And this is my my favorite. Um, despite what he does, I, I, just, I just love the name. So there are charges brought up against some of the members of the mob, but Judge Lawless. Right? Yep. God <laughs> damn. Welcome to Irony and Fate. Oh, my God. I was like, okay, so... Dr. Toothy is where I go to get my cavities filled. <laughs> Actually, if you're going for lawless, I Toothless. believe you want to go see Dr. Gums. Dr. Gums. There you go. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And just... uh, Dr. Abortion for Child Care. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of where I would go to get my pap smear. No. Uh, Dr. Thunderdong. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, there we go. <laughs> so Judge Lawless uh, drops all the charges against the members of the mob, and he makes a statement that basically tries to lay fault at the abolitionist's feet, including uh, the, the, the observer and Lovejoy. So uh, basically saying, it's all, it's all your fault. This guy stabbed the policeman. Um, you know, if, if you hadn't made, you know, people think they were actual human beings, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's all very... The, the, I read, uh, and we're going to get into some of this, I read Edward Beecher's account of the, this whole incident, which is very much the style of the day, um, but just trying to read into Between the Lines... Um, I feel like people were, were very good at it back then, but trying to read between the lines when the lines, uh, a single sentence is, is 20 lines long. It hurts your eyes. (laughs) It, it does appear. So just, just to give a, uh, give a little bit of clarification here. Uh, April 36th is whenever Francis McIntosh is murdered. And then next month, May 1836, uh, anti-abolitionists destroy his printing press for what I have here as the third time. Okay, so if you have that as the third time, then I'm going to say that our our feelings earlier, that it was three times in St. Louis to begin with, was probably true. Yes, it's at this point, it's at this point that that Lovejoy just looks at this and goes, I'm fucking moving the Observer to Alton in the free state of Illinois. It was a bad move though, because Alton is really kind of a, kind of a shit show. It's a center for slave catchers. Uh, it's a center for pro-slavery forces. Uh, many, many escaped slaves crossed the Mississippi River from Missouri uh, into, uh, into Illinois, but yeah, Alton, Alton definitely should not have been a haven for escaped slaves. It was it was a bad place to be if you were an escaped slave, although a lot of them seemed to end up there. Um, as we said, the printing press it, it was shipped. It was uh, it was shipped of what remained of it to Alton, 
there was nobody there to get it, so it sat on the riverbank unguarded overnight and was destroyed and thrown into the Mississippi River, where a bunch of enterprising fish created the first underwater newspaper. Part of what I said was a lie. Guess what? <laughs> okay, okay, but locals in Alton helped him to raise money to replace his press. And yes, I would like to say there are some good things about Alton, although maybe not a whole lot in his time, because uh, it is the hometown of jazz musician Miles Davis. Miles Davis! Exactly. Yeah. And Robert Wadlow, the gentle giant. He's the tallest known person in history. Eight foot, 11 inches. Right? When he started kindergarten at five years old. Okay, five years old, he was five foot and six and a half inches. Jesus. At nine years old, he was six foot, two and a half inches, and he could carry his father up the stairs with his father sitting in the living room chair. I love you, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. He died at age 22, and he was still growing. In fact, in just the year prior to his death, he grew three inches. Robert Wadlow, That's... unfortunately, he was so tall, he had to wear braces on his, on his legs just because his ankles could not support it. It turned out there was a tumor on his pituitary gland that was causing unregulated human growth. Um, but it was, it was a thing where his father, Robert Wadlow, made a great, good living off of being tall. Uh, most of the photos you're going to see of him are like with his arms outstretched with around 100 people underneath each arm. Not that tall. But he, he's a big boy. The... He got horrible infections in his legs because the braces would dig in and the nerve impulses would die down before they'd reach his brain. So he would have no idea that he had an infection. Either. Exactly. Exactly. He was Ugh. so, so tall. The nerve impulses died before they got to his brain. Wow. He seemed like a really nice guy, too. Yeah, and he was only 22 when he died, and it was from an infection uh, caused by one of those braces. Yeah. So, so Amber, did you have more on Alton and the, 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 I the do. residents helping I do, him? I do, because, okay, so I have the count for the printing presses. There are seven presses. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. There are seven. So we have the three in St. Louis, and then we had one that was destroyed at the river, right? So locals raised money, got him a new one. And he actually got to use that for a whole year. So we, we made it into 1837. Um, and then he published something that people didn't like. And that night they destroyed his press. He bought another one. It got destroyed again. And then we'll talk about the last time they destroyed it in a, in a moment. I don't want to jump too far ahead. Um, but his friends actually organized a militia and secretly bought and installed another press. Um so they they formed a militia to get him another press. Wow. Sorry, my daughter is coming down here for hugs, apparently. Oh. Come here. One quick hug. One quick hug. Okay. I love you. We can take a break for hugs. No, it's okay. She's going she's going away. <laughs> um so uh so yeah, so we have a total of, of seven printing presses. Wow. Okay, so my, I wonder though, when, and I don't know this for sure, but between what you said and what Scott said, 
Scott said that he they they salvaged that that third printing press from St. Louis and brought it over to Alton, and then that was this, it was destroyed there. Is that what you said, Scott? Just that's sure that's right. what I have here. So, so I wonder if it might actually be six because you could, might have counted that one twice. Okay. Which technically was destroyed twice, but it was only one. It was the same one, <laughs> but it was destroyed twice. <laughs> yeah. Counting printing press destruction. <laughs> yeah, it said it says here that Lovejoy packed what remained of the office and the press uh, to ship to Alton. It sat on the riverbank unguarded and was destroyed and thrown. So you know what? I'm going to count that as two because not not only was the printing press destroyed, but also the rest of the office. You know what? I'm going to give you guys that one. You're right. That, that, that counts as a lot. That's a lot of destruction and heartbreak, and, and, and that, de- that definitely counts as two. And for some reason, every time they destroyed it, they threw the parts in the river. These, these fish are making out like bandits. <laughs> really trying to come up with a fish newspaper name that's a horrible, stupid Honestly, if you're writing a fish newspaper, you just need a capital O, a lowercase O, and a zero, just because they speak in bubbles. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. I'm going to come up with one before the end, I, pr- I promise you. Um, so, there you go, guys. Have fun, <laughs> Scott. I don't know how to spell Sorry. that. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, so... Uh, he does, uh, yeah, he starts the Alton Observer in in Alton, obviously. Uh, you, you wouldn't start it in New York City. It would be silly. He becomes pastor of the Upper Alton Presbyterian Church. Might be sar- safer to start it in New York. Yeah, right? That's very true. I'm going to start this newspaper that's named after your town, but very, very far away from you people. So you guys can be here with all of your your white rage and violence, and I'll be far away. So uh, he started a movement. He wanted to have a convention. Now, this is like this is like steps to take steps to take steps. He wanted to start a convention that would discuss establishing an anti-slavery society. That was a whole deal. Um, so, and a lot of this I'm getting with from here until the end from Edward Beecher, who, by the way, if, if Beecher sounds familiar. Uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe and Henry Ward Beecher are uh, siblings. Ah. So very uh, famous family. And yeah, he wrote this uh, in, in the year after the events that we're about to talk about um, and, and published a very, very com- complete accounting of events as far as, but he wasn't there. He got eyewitness accounts from multiple people. And, but there's a, there was a lot to wade through prior to that because we had to have long interjections of his philosophical, religious, and social beliefs, which is fine, but that I'm, I'm here for plot, buddy. I'm sorry. I'm here (laughs) for the story. Get to it. Seven chapters later. So this, uh, his opponents held a meeting at the market house and they passed a resolution that charged him with violation of a pledge. And the resolution also censured him. Not censored, but censured. That's basically like a slap on the wrist. It's, it's not really... It's saying, you did something we don't like. 
and they also formed a committee we're gonna to watch get, him and keep him in line. We're going to get him also on violation of the pinky swear. <laughs> yes, exactly. He said we were blood brothers. And we might get him on a little bit of liar, liar, pants on fire. Like, I'm actually glad that we don't organize in the same ways that, that we used to because, like, there would be committees that Amber is a bitch. Like, I just know that they would exist. Um, yeah, I love this idea of creating a committee to, to watch somebody. Wow. Jesus Christ. I like how they also like they did a they did a convention on anti-slavery. That's fantastic because now conventions are like Star Trek and Star Wars. And furries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they're accomplishing so much socially. Oh, I, I bet it's hard to get jizz stains out of a fursuit. I, they true. have their secrets. <laughs> they can keep their secrets. Yeah. So uh, there were some rumblings about town that they everybody should just take Lovejoy and toss him out. Because there was the Panic of 1837, which resulted in a very long recession. But this was all happening right then. And everybody was super worried about the economy. And this feels too real. Sounds um, familiar, doesn't it? So they were, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So they were worried that uh, if they had a known abolitionist in their town and publishing, you know, abolitionist writings, then other towns, especially St. Louis, wouldn't want to do business with them. And they're like right across the river from St. Louis. So that's going to be a big uh, source of trade. Uh, so then, as Amber said, they had another mob attack the office, destroy the press. He actually did know they were going to do it. Uh, there was generally a lot of discussion before he did anything. It's it's amazing the amount of discussion they could possibly have and that could be recounted page after page after so, page. So tonight they're going to come and destroy the press. What do you think we should do? I well, think we should leave the door unlocked so that the press is right there in front of them so that the door doesn't get damaged. Or mayhaps we should form a committee to have a discussion about possibly involving firearms, maybe perhaps butts. I is do... it proper? That's going to be the main topic. Is it proper? Is it proper to use firearms in defense of a press? Well, I think we need to have a six week long study. I do enjoy a good committee because I'm a prude <laughs> and the end of committee kind of sounds like titty and it kind of gets my wiener hard. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, they couldn't decide, would it be, you know, would, would it be on, on our level of propriety and morality to invoke any sort of uh, retaliation violence or even defensive violence? Um, so the attack on the press basically went forward without any defense whatsoever. So it's basically exactly what Scott said, just ba practically leaving the door open. Um, See, me, I would have, I would have booby-trapped the fucking printing press. Oh my god, it would... Yeah, I would have. It would have been like Home yeah. Alone, like. No, no, no! It would have not been like Home Alone. It would have been like Saw, because I would have gotten two big jars of nitroglycerin, and just stored them right on the printing press. The first crowbar that comes down on that, yeah, I'm gonna have to buy a new printing press again, but only once. <laughs> <laughs> nobody will go. ever fucking mess with my printing press again. I actually I saw a, a great thing online about uh, Home Alone, and they actually counted how many times the burglars would have died if it was real life. And it was like twenty seven. Oh or my god, it was disgusting. They're like, this would have killed him. This is why it would have killed him. And it was hilarious and wonderful. And that's why I went with Home Alone because you can kill the same people over and over again. 
There is actually, <laughs> if I may take a little side trip here down the down the side road, there is a theory that Jigsaw from the Saw movies is actually a grown-up Kevin McAllister. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Home Alone, the Home Alone movies with Macaulay Culkin are actually a prequel to the Saw films. Okay. Wow. That's quite, I love the theories people come up with. <laughs> so uh, another press is obtained for Lovejoy's paper. He once again, he says, I'll step down. That's fine. And this time the offer was not accepted. And he's still going to go forward with this convention. Um, on October 26, 1837, they had the first day of meetings. This is where it gets kind of weird in, in Beecher's accounting of things because it was hard to tell who was who and what was what because he was taking great pains not to actually name anybody. I think, uh, I think libel was big in the front of his mind uh, here. So he, there, there's a bunch of the pro-slavery people and they all were claiming seats. Uh, in, 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 I think it was the Wikipedia article, maybe just named two. But yeah, in just Beecher's the book, uh, it was John Hogan and Illinois Attorney General Usher F. Linder. Mm -hmm. And John Hogan was a state representative too, so it's like not just any any old Joe Schmoes off the street. And but in in, the, in Beecher's, it said that they were you know claiming seats for their friends. So it seems like they they weren't alone. Um, in, in doing this. It seems like it was a group kind of trying to disrupt the proceedings. Um, and so what they ended up being called, uh, Beecher called them, or they called themselves, again, it was, it was kind of hard to read and some of the pages were a little smudged and it was, it was weird. Um, but the Friends of Free Inquiry, uh, because they, I think it was because they, they insisted that this needed to be a free inquiry and as such that they, pro-slavery people, should be involved in it even though it's about discussing something to abolish the thing that they're pro, so we know your stance. <laughs> if you're pro-slavery, if you're pro-slavery, you don't get to use the word free. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I I fully agree with that. You so you absolutely do not like maybe reasonably priced, but not free. <laughs> So, so I'm, I'm going to be calling them the Friends of Free Inquiry just because they kept on being called that. And it was it was kind of, I guess, convenient. So or sometimes the friends and all. Uh, oh, my God. Friends what? of Free Inquiry. F-O-F-I. Fofi? Fofi. Feffi. Do you remember whenever Trump went Kofefi and everybody wondered what it was? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it was a twisted path to get there, but you got there. I, I, I did indeed. Kofefi. He's part of it. <laughs> I mean, is anybody really surprised? I'm not. Nope. I'm not the one not. that drew the lines. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. So this was kind of a funny moment. Um, so the, 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 these friends uh, of the free inquiry, one, the leader of them, which I'm assuming, I'm just assuming, but I'm assume, assuming it was one of the guys that we mentioned earlier, John Hogan or the attorney general. Uh, stood on a wood pile uh, just outside and delivered an address against abolition. And, quote, he also commenced a tirade against the benevolent operations of the day, including the Temperance Society, till luckily it occurred to him that he had recently joined it himself and made an address on its behalf. He then retracted his charges to no small amusement of his audience. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he basically was like, and those temperance people are... W oh, oh, yeah, that's right. I have their... I 
card in my I'm one of them. Oh so dear. They're 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 good. They're good. I uh I need a drink. <laughs> yeah. So, and he also called for all anti-abolitionists and their friends to meet up at 9 a.m. And so they do. And they basically go to the church where the meeting is being held. And they insist that they're, you know, like there for the meeting. And the church is like, well, um, you can't hold the church or the meeting here unless you allow free discussion for all. And so they were there, and they basically just tried to disrupt the votes any way they could. It was it was very, I don't know if you want to call it malicious compliance or what, but it was so being it was, a straight up dick, pretty much, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. There was it really was. Uh, they would show up. The, eventually, they were like, okay, well, we can't have the meetings without the the fofi um, in the church, so let's meet in private houses. And the fofi would show up there, like in a big mob of them. And they would be like, let us into your house. And no, like basically, no, the answer is no, I will not. I am (laughs) so glad. I am so glad that politics has gotten so much better over the years. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. Were you serious? No. Okay, good. (laughs) No, no. I'm a a white guy. You know what? I like a little bit of open flame outdoors. I can't go buy a fucking tiki torch anymore. I fucking love tiki torches. Oh, yeah, that's right, because of Charlotte. Yeah. yeah. I can't buy a tiki torch anymore as a white man. Christ. I, do, you, do you want me yeah. to go buy you a tiki torch? You can't buy them either. You're white. <laughs> I, I'm sure I can still buy one. Also, I don't give a fuck what anyone could. thinks about me, so there's that. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> I think if you buy a bunch of them with a bunch of lawn furniture or some lawn darts or something that makes it obvious that you're going to be spending some time out in your backyard. No, no. Okay. if I buy tiki torches with lawn darts, <laughs> now I end up on oh. a fucking government watch list. You're already and on poss- it. Come on. Uh, oh, you're so on it. You're on seven of them. And quite okay. honestly, I may end up with a government job with the Republicans if I buy those two <laughs> items together. <laughs> That would be that would be the more scary thing for me, I think. So Absolutely. Yeah. Could I just be arrested, please? <laughs> I don't want to so. be part of this administration. Okay. So there is some discussion of whether they should restart the observer in Alton or move it to Quincy, and eventually they're like, Okay, we have to restart it here because A, if we leave, they they win. Uh, B, it's a matter of principles. And C, if we retreat from this battle, we weaken the cause everywhere else, which is very true. It's it's like it, it, this is this is very much the slippery slope of of uh, the no, it's not the slippery slope. It's the chilling effect coming into play. Uh, you have people threatening violence against the free press. As soon as that happens, other people who are members of the free press are going to be like, "Well, wait, can I say what I?" want to say or are they going to come down on me and come destroy my printing press and possibly you know like hurt people i know burgle my house whatever and so that's where this chilling effect comes in and it's very true that as soon as it's successful one place everywhere else all people are going to think is well all i need to do is threaten violence and this cause that i'm against will get up and leave town and it's it's sad but true isn't it it really is yeah so um they uh 
They're basically, at one point, Beecher does give a few sermons, um, and there are some threats of violence, so they, they, he basically is at a church, and they're like, okay, we're going to grab some guns, and we're going to keep them in the house next door, just in case. And the new printing press, meanwhile, is on its way by a steamboat. So, dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 very much indeed. Do you think, do you think like, the, the printing press's parents, like, went, don't do it, Johnny, it's too dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, right? <laughs> so they basically, they knew that if they had it delivered in broad daylight, then all was for naught. So they sent word to the captain, wait until 3 a.m. And basically it worked. The anti-abolitionists, uh, the pro-slavery assholes, they were watching. They had spies out, but they gave up in the evening. They were like, I'm hungry and I want a beer because I'm, I'm not pro-temperance, which is literally the only good thing about me as a person. Um, so... What a weird hey. world we live in. Booze good now. <laughs> oh, booze very good booze now. Booze great. Pot better. <laughs> I'm drinking right now, so I, I don't. <laughs> Where do you get it at? I think everybody who listens knows that we're drinking. <laughs> not so... getting in a damn thing. I agree. <laughs> booze is great. I don't even drink, and I'm going to tell you, booze is fantastic. Good for everybody who's an alcoholic. That's what I say. <laughs> Booze brings families together. <laughs> Just the other day, my doctor went, Scott, you really need to drink more. I just burped and held my papers up in front of the mic like that would block it, and I'm not sure if I was successful or not. So, Scott, let me know later. Okay? I didn't hear a damn thing. I, I heard it, but it was, well, it was quiet. It <laughs> okay. It's like I forget that I have a fucking mic. Mute yeah, button. no, it, like it's right it, it there. It really just kind of sounded like you burped in a muffled way. So I, okay. I guess it was okay. All right. So anyhow, moving on from my burps and burping in a muffled way is the name of my new romance song. <laughs> I love it. That's, so romantic. That's so beautiful. Yeah. <clears throat> I will yeah. sing a little bit of it later. No, please don't. You will get. So much pussy with that, but maybe not on these microphones. Fucking avalanche of <laughs> vagina. That's my life now. Okay, moving so, on. <laughs> super moving on. They plan to hide the new printing press at Gilman's Warehouse. Uh, a W.S. Gilman owned that, and he was big in helping Lovejoy reestablish the paper. It was a stone building, so they thought, well, it'll be safe here. And also, Gilman was so highly regarded that they thought people will never attack his property. They would never, they would never attack him. It'll be safe because his name is on it and he's there. And so they were sure that once they got the press up to the, the third floor of the, the store, everything would be fine. And still, they kept teams of six men guarding the press at night. Um, and it's also sort of implied that all the chaos here had a very negative effect on Lovejoy's wife's health. Uh, she was, she was, uh, when, when Beecher and Lovejoy went, they, they, they stood guard all night and then they went back to, uh, Lovejoy's house briefly to pray. And, uh, I, I guess Beecher's wife was still in bed and it just said from weakness, um, so it seemed like she was not doing great. You know what, though? With the timeline, uh, she very well could have been pregnant with pregnant their second. That's true. That's true. Um, or recovering from their yeah, second. Yeah, so, like, it was right around the time because I couldn't get a date of birth on that. So their son, Edward, was born March of 1836. And Charlotte was born after, from what it appears. I, I could find almost no information on Charlotte. 
Um, so, well, she was a woman, yeah. so. You know. she, she, she was born with a <laughs> vagina, so, I mean, there was a lot of websites that didn't even list her name. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I believe that she was born after, which would have put it right in this timeline where we're at. So I'm thinking that yeah. she was heavily pregnant. Interesting. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, because as you can imagine, because you've listened to this podcast before, probably, um, if you're not, if you haven't, then welcome. And, we're sorry. Um, shit always gets bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're very sorry. Yeah, things are going to get shitty real quick. Yes, they are. So there were only supposed to be six men guarding uh, in shifts, but there were rumors that an attack still might happen. So more than that came to the warehouse the next evening and the store was basically two big stone buildings that were side by side it was basically an entire block uh you could really access it on either side and then there was the, the river behind it um so at 10 p.m the mob gets there they're already armed and for some reason that was in italics in beecher's account which he didn't use italics a whole lot so i feel like that was something he was trying to emphasize especially with their reticence uh to use your guns I feel like I, I feel like it's it's to to get across incredulity. They were there and they meant to do violence immediately. They didn't come there and then violence just sort of happened. No, it was meant. They came already armed. Mm -hmm. Yes, there you go. I like I like that. That's a good good interpretation. Yeah. yeah. So Gilman says, what do you want? And they say, well, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think we want? We love destroying presses. So obviously we want the press. Come on, catch up, dude. Um, All the fishes are greedily looking at the edge of the water going, oh, please, we need some spare parts. <laughs> Meanwhile, the mob's like, we must serve our free press fish overlords. <laughs> There's Very Lovecraftian. This has gotten weird, it guys. Very, it's gotten yeah. really weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the Alton Cthulhu. Can we go back to the spanking? <laughs> like I, I miss the spanking. <laughs> I bet you do, you sultry mix. <laughs> yes. So, um there's at least twelve on either side. Uh I feel like there's definitely twelve in the building. And then outside, it's a mob gathering. Some people just to watch, and some people to <laughs> join in. So I, I like really like that phrase. I'm sorry. In. Oh my god. Get some Amber. Jesus. Our old tiny crimey about whipping Tom the phantom spanker of England. It's destroyed really me. Really got her in a tizzy. I I I'm sorry. I, I will shut up. No, no. Can take a break. Keep go it going. I find it hilarious. <laughs> yeah, this is right up Scott's alley. <laughs> Oh my god! I, I, I do the so, same thing. Sometimes I like them to watch. Sometimes I like them to join in. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, there it is. Anyhow, so and the the pro slavery crowd is like, you know what? We will sacrifice our lives for this shit. And Gilman's like, fuck. So the attack starts with some breaking of the windows with stones and firing of some guns. One witness in some, some court accounts I read later. Oh, I think I might have forgotten to put that in my sources. But um, it's, it's actually linked in the Wikipedia article. It's a, it's a accounting of trials that were held afterwards. He said he was really surprised at the lack of defenses. They didn't even have the door blockaded. <laughs> Come on. They could have put that big old printing press right in front of the door. I understand if active defense isn't your thing, but passive defense, like blocking the door... 
God, I just, I, sometimes I just look at it and I'm like, no, mistake, you're making a mistake, do something. And say, um, a quote from Beecher, as those within threw back the stones, one without was distinctly recognized and seen taking aim at one within, for it was a moonlit evening and persons could be distinctly seen and recognized. So you had somebody outside uh, who was shooting at somebody inside, the, and the abolitionists then start shooting into the crowd. You had uh, a man named Lyman Bishop. He was with the pro-slavery mob, and he was killed. Um, and then the mob brings ladders and actually ties them together to make them tall enough to get to the roof. So they're they're either gonna 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 burn it down or they're gonna d- kidnap a Lindbergh. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Why not both? Why not both? <laughs> They actually send a little boy up, a, a child. I don't know how. Yeah, I was. I, Isn't that I nice? I was confused by that. I'm like, why do you send the boy? Like, you have all these grown men shooting, and some guys like, here, let me grab my son. He'd be excellent to climb the ladder and sh- light this shit on fire. Like, I'm kind of thinking they were hoping because you know, Lovejoy uh, and his men are returning fire. You know, and I'm kind of thinking like they won't shoot a child. Send my son up. Yeah, something like that. And also, maybe the ladders were really rickety and they were like, yeah, he's light. He'll I, make it. I think that probably. was probably the more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the mayor actually shows up and tries to get them to stop, tries to get the mob to stop. And they say, well, you go in to that warehouse and you tell those abolitionists that we're going to get that press and we're not going to stop. So the mayor and a justice of the peace are like, all right. <laughs> And they go in and they deliver that message. It's like, no, you're not helping. That's like the opposite of what you're supposed to be. Try to get the people who started the violence to stop, not do what they want you to do and be their delivery boys and messenger boys. It's Good. really very pathetic. I, I just picture the justice of the peace coming out going, Good news, bad news. Uh, they're not giving up the printing press. But since I am a justice of the peace, we just had the first gay marriage in Illinois. Good news, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Good news. What do you mean you're going to burn me alive? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Gilman says, no, obviously we're not going to give it up. We're we're fighting back. Um, Lovejoy and his friend Royal Weller went out and pushed the ladder down. (laughs) Now your kid's stuck on the roof and it's burning. (laughs) I was thinking that. Oh, my God. See, I was thinking more like the silent film where, like, the kid's still on the ladder just going, eee! as he falls backwards <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. because I, I didn't get the, the distinct impression that he got the whole way up the first time they're like hey that fucker's going up there with a torch and like they just run out and push the ladder down and then they're like okay we're cool and they run back inside <laughs> yeah they basically like, t- like shot a bunch to get the mob to disperse and then once they were gone they were like okay ladder down and then we're all also they, they you know guns back then it was like you had one shot <laughs> or maybe maybe more than that i'm not really huge on my history of guns but you didn't have a lot and reloading was not a super quick process so they had to go back inside to reload which basically gives the adversaries time to put the ladder back up and then also start to play their little sniper game where they hide in places where they can shoot uh, safely behind cover when the abolitionists come back out. Which they dun, do. Dun, dun. Which, very dun, dun, dun. At which that sounded very French. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Uh, anyhow, I'm going to stop laughing before I talk about the very nice uh, <laughs> man with very strong beliefs in, in, in good things that ended up being, oh, uh, yeah, what does it say here? Shot five times in midsection. Oh, yes. Okay. So, with yes. Uh, Lovejoy is shot. Yeah. Lovejoy is shot five times in the midsection. According to Beecher's account, it didn't say this anywhere else I read, but according to Beecher's account, he still managed to go back in to the warehouse he got up one flight of stairs before he fell down and died see i have a i have a differing account i have that he was hit five times with slugs from a shotgun and died immediately okay all right um i trust beechers just because like i don't know i know way too much about the guy now after reading pages upon pages of the 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 things that go on in his head (laughs) so i feel like we're we're buds fair enough We'll go with we'll go with Beechers, but there's also a sense of um, it it maybe adds to the martyrdom and hero worship yeah. too. Yeah, uh, so that could possibly be part of why that telling it has has two different possible endings. I was at a party once where we had to talk a guy out of being shot in the back with a shotgun. He really wanted that. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> That's right. You were there, weren't you? I'm pretty sure. Was that TJ? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I was there. Oh my God. <laughs> I also got I also got that great recipe for taco salad. That yeah, night. I think I was actually one of the people offering to shoot him in the back, um, if he did so wish, but uh, it, it never came to fruition, and that's what's important. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So here here's the thing that actually makes me mad about about Lovejoy here. So the mob attacks. They only want the press, but they come with guns. They kill people. And instead of being like, oh, shit, what have we done? They're like, let's go get that printing press. And they actually do go tear it piece by piece and throw it in the river because the fish need more. Exactly. Fish need more, yes. Still don't have a great fish fish press name. But, um, yeah, he's... They're basically uh, the other defenders. Once Lovejoy's dead, they're like, um, we'll, we'll give up. Uh, but the mob's like, nope. As soon as you come out, we're gonna shoot you. <laughs> like they, they won't even. As soon as like a, a surrender is offered, a white flag is raised, they're like shooting at the white flag. I mean, that's exaggeration, but pretty, pretty damn close. And um, they, then they weren't all talk either. A Mister Roth tried to go outside, and he was uh, at the threshold when he was shot and wounded. He wasn't killed, but he was wounded. Um, so they do, the group does manage to escape out, like, it, it was confusing the way it was described, but they do manage to get escape, being shot out all the way. Royal Weller was also wounded. He, uh, yeah, he was with Lovejoy when they went out the second time to try to put the ladder down and, and yeah. not have the building catch on fire. Definitely not all talk. On the list of names we like, Royal Weller. Uh, my favorite, like my favorite name is coming up here pretty soon. <laughs> Everybody knows exactly what it is. Yeah, I have some feelings. <laughs> um, so uh, the mob does go in, as Amber said, uh, including some of those who were seen at the convention. So some of the fofi, the kofofi, <laughs> uh, 
they destroy the press and the whole thing was about one and a half to two hours so a lot of like shooting back and forth and then taking 20 minutes to reload and then some shouting and then some more shooting and then taking 20 minutes to reload and then some ladder hijinks and possibly a child is burning nobody, <laughs> nobody cared about the kid cetera, after that they're like he could have died nobody, cared about nobody the gave kid. a shit they're like it's fine he's a, he's gonna be a man like whatever if total red if shirt. you were if you were a child like you were pretty much yeah the the hierarchy went child, slave, woman. That well, was so many children died that it was just like they're dispensable. <laughs> some some woman will go make another one. Children, Jesus Christ, they're the hamsters of human beings. <laughs> <laughs> so there was actually no funeral held uh, out of fear, and also even in his own paper, there was no mention of the death or obituary of okay. any kind. That's pretty fucking so sad. So this mob attack honestly. happened on November 7th, 1837. He was buried two days later, which was actually his 35th birthday. Oh, so, Jesus. I did not know So that. he was wow. buried on his 35th birthday. Um, he was given an unmarked grave in Alton Cemetery. Um, and actually, this and this is one of the, the kind of nice things I found about this. So there is there's some silver linings. Um, so no official in Illinois said anything about Lovejoy's death, with the exception of their young state representative, Abraham Lincoln, who spoke out against the crime. Nice. So that was cool. And I would like to state... <laughs> That is really cool. Um, I bet things are going to end really nicely for that young man. <laughs> he should probably avoid the theater. So um, a quote from Beecher that really, I think, is the most poignant. And it, it's just, honestly, I don't even have words. Um, but I, I, when I saw it, I was like, this is this is so much. This means so much. Though dead, he still speaketh. And the united world can never silence his voice. Ten thousand presses, had he employed them all, could never have done what the simple tale of his death will do. And I thought that was beautiful. Um, there was definitely a lot of respect between those two men. It was it was very a very nice thing to see. They were they were bros, guys. They were bros. Absolutely. Um, they were prayer bros. Prayer bros. <laughs> prayer bros. So there were two trials. Um, they had basically one trial against Gilman and 11 others for r the crime of riot and then the same charge against uh, the, the 11 members of the mob. The Gilman and, and other uh, abolitionists, uh, it was basically a lot of testimony and then 15 minutes of deliberation and a not guilty verdict. And then uh, same thing on the other side uh, and... Which, in that case, you had the jury foreman who was in the mob and had been wounded in the attack. Oh, hell, it gets better. The <laughs> presiding judge doubled as a witness. Yeah, right? <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Huh. I feel like whatever I have... When, where is the name that is your favorite, Scott? I feel like I'm, I'm, I've only got three bullet points left, so, and I don't have very many names left. After, after Lovejoy's death, his brother, Owen Lovejoy... Enters politics. Mm -hmm. He becomes the leader of the Illinois abolitionists. Um, Francis Butter Murdoch was the district attorney of Alton. <laughs> That's not a nickname. That's his actual middle name. I know. Francis Butter <laughs> Murdoch. 
And he was the one who prosecuted Lovejoy's murder. No one, of course, convicted. Um, but yeah, Francis Butter Murdoch, his, <laughs> his, his brother Lima Bean, and his, his sister Cream. Um, I'm still all about Judge Wallace. I mean, that's just, it's just, it's just too much. I had to, I was looking at it and I was like, did somebody vandalize this Wikipedia article <laughs> or whatever, wherever I saw it. I can't even remember which article I saw it in, but I was like, what? That, that's, that's, that can't be real. That's not right. That's, that's <laughs> totally right. So Lovejoy was called the first casualty of the Civil War. I mean, this really lit a flame under people and it, it began a, a movement that would take many years to happen. But, you know, you can see in Lincoln getting some, some inspiration I here. I actually, um, and, I have a uh, quote from John Quincy Adams. Uh, it called yes. him the first American martyr to the freedom of the press and the freedom of the slave. Oh, that's really nice. As far um, as I can tell, too, I, I kind of picked this one. And I was trying to figure out who the first journalist in the United States was to be murdered. Hmm. And as far as I can find, I'm not saying that it is Lovejoy, but as far as I can find Lovejoy, yeah, this is as far back as I can go. It does seem that like Lovejoy may be the first journalist in the United States to be murdered. If anybody out there listening has anybody before Lovejoy, it seems like in like close to a hundred years there should have been you know maybe 70 years there should have been somebody else murdered who was a journalist <laughs> but yeah that's i love that it sounds like a suggestion there should have I'm been not more saying murders. A... <laughs> i'm not saying it i'm saying it as a suggestion i'm just saying journalists are not known for their their peacekeeping ways people uh, and people don't like the truth that is very true, yeah. And they, they do tend to, to, it's part of their job to stir up shit. Exactly, honestly. exactly. They, journalists have a very important part in today's society, in, in any society, and it is to speak the truth whenever no one else will speak it. It's to uncover the truth. It's, it's a very important part of American society and quite honestly, uh, society of the world. I can tell you one thing that I... I there are not a lot of moments of my like high school education that I, I recall with any super clarity, uh, but this is one of them. It was the moment in a civics class when we were talking about um, the 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 First Amendment and you know freedom of the press, and um, that is the First Amendment, right? <laughs> it's been like I said, been a long time. <laughs> I everybody wildly googling let's google i'm googling <laughs> now <clears throat> i think you're right but I'm, your I'm, first I'm like 99.9 percent .9 sure but it's it's just there's just a little tiny like 0.1 percent of doubt uh that is really annoying me uh it is it is a multiple congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right to of the people to peaceably uh, to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Okay, so it's the first. Yes, though? it is the first. 
Okay, good. Thank you. Wow. All right. But yeah, I remember distinctly, like, when we were discussing it, getting chills at that idea of that that we have it written right into the, the essentially the bones of our society. It's etched into the bones that there are people who are, you know, they are allowed to tell the truth and nobody can conceivably stop them, at least not legally. Although we can see that there was some stoppage of telling the truth here, unfortunately. But again, it's that, you know, it's, it's, it's like, like you said, Scott, some people don't like it when you tell the truth. And when you say, hey, slavery is bad and you should stop doing it. People who are making money off of it, they don't really like that so much. But he was so incredibly uh, brave and, and he had so much perseverance. Uh, there's a quote from him. I can die at my post, but I cannot desert it. And that is on a monument that was erected 60 years after his death. Amber, I apologize for saying the word erected. Hmm. Um, <laughs> it's as far as I can tell, it's, all the pictures, it's very, very tall. It's like, a, you know, a, it's 110 geez. feet tall. <laughs> it's, 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 it's Robert Wardlow it's tall. It's very erect. Will somebody, will somebody please fuck Amber for the love of God? Marcus. Um, so actually, cool, cool tidbit out of here. In 1860, Thomas Dimmick, editor of the Alton Democrat, found Lovejoy's grave and gave him a proper headstone. Mm, my heart. So I thought that was a little cool tidbit. So the editor of, of a newspaper in that town went and, and did some investigating, found the grave, and made sure that he had a proper grave marker. There is the Elijah Parish Lovejoy Award established by Colby College in his honor and is awarded annually to a member of the newspaper profession who has, quote, contributed to the nation's journalistic achievement. There's so many things named. Oh, my God, so many. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just a long list. I think my favorite thing uh, is that his descendant... um, he, he has a descendant. It doesn't say whether it's direct or, you know, whether she's a, a like a great, 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 great grand niece or whatever. Are we talking about uh, Martha? Martha. Yeah. Yes. She uh, supervises uh, or is one of the supervisors um, in the office to monitor and combat trafficking in persons, uh, also known as um, <laughs> no, not really. Um, uh, but yeah, it's basically this is this is modern day today. Uh, you know, human trafficking is modern day slavery, and so she's essentially continuing uh, his work, which is really amazing. Elijah Lovejoy was actually memorialized as the first name listed in the journalist memorial located at the cleverly named museum in Washington D.C. <laughs> oh yeah. Kind of wanted to go to that when I was down there last time. And um, even more recently, though, in 2000, Lovejoy was inducted into the Maine Press Hall of Fame. So he is a Hall of wow. Famer, guys. Wow, that's amazing. They they never taught me about Lovejoy in school. No, no, I never I never really heard his name in school. No, I had never heard of him before. Yeah, this is this is one of those kind of sung but unsung heroes of the modern age that really 
this this name should be on the lips of every school child just as much as Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, in my opinion. Well, and you know what? There's actually there is yeah, a town that is um, it, it's primarily African American. It's nearby um, nearby this one, but not quite this one. It's where a lot of the blacks settled. And they call it Lovejoy. Like, its name is not officially Lovejoy, but everybody that lives there affectionately calls the whole town Lovejoy. Because they they credit him with being part of the reason that they could settle there. Right on. So, like, there's some cool stuff here. It's really cool, yeah. And, like, the the monument uh, where it's, like, you know, a very tall... uh, Erect angel <laughs> with a trumpet. Uh, there's also I read a couple of reviews on TripAdvisor where they talk about how it's one of those places where there's a sound phenomena where if one person sits one place and one person sits another and you whisper, you know they can hear you from a distance. Um, so that's pretty cool. I don't know if that was intentional or if it's just an accident of architecture. And more important than really anything, I have found my fish newspaper name. Oh, thank God! <laughs> this was going to and haunt me on target to the St. Louis Post Dispatch. <laughs> Scott claps Amber sighs audibly. No, that's Can't me smacking your that. ass like whipping Tom. <laughs> I actually thought I, it Please sounded no, like I whipping Tom to me too. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, Christy. You got it in. <laughs> oh, I did it. Oh, boy. All right. Okay. I think that's all we have <laughs> on that note. And I just touched my nose, so now I feel the need to wash my hands. You should probably go do that. It's 20 seconds, Christy. It's 20 seconds. You know what? When she doesn't get the Rona and you do, you're going to know about them 20 minutes. We don't exactly. know. We don't know if I got the Rona or not. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, I, what? I, I guess. What are you guys doing this weekend? We're staying in. Not doing a fucking <laughs> thing. <a> surprise. <laughs> um, I think on my birthday I might arrange a little Zoom. Uh, let's all drink together. Okay. Time. Okay. I'm cool with that. Um, so uh, that'll be my, my birthday party. I need something to do to keep me off Amazon and eBay because I've spent a lot of money uh, the past couple it's of days. so hard not to shop I, right now. You know what? I, I'm doing it for the economy, baby. You know what? I actually I have to go to the grocery store. I'm putting it off as long as I can, but I know I'm going to have to um, by, like, the, the end of the weekend. So, like, that is, that is going to be my big adventure. Yeah. I would say, like, maybe do it during the weekdays, but nobody's working anyhow, so it doesn't really matter. Oh. Time has no meaning. I have got a a little bit of happiness here. I'm going to throw a freebie out there to one of our sponsors. Uh, I was kind of trapped inside, and I was on on Google Hangouts talking to my my girlfriend, Ariana, who is currently trapped down in the Bahamas uh, on quarantine. And I looked at her and I said, I, I'm gonna play a, I'm gonna play a video game. And it's the thing where it's like, you know what? Part of being in a relationship is just being chill and hanging out with each other. And she goes, well, what are you playing? And I go, I'm gonna play some Best Fiends. And she goes, Best Fiends, what's that? And I go, well, let me tell you. <laughs> and, I just, 
And I got her playing Best Fiends. She nice. loves it. So, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a birthday, and I'm gonna watch those numbers. Um, we uh, in the time that we recorded, we got two closer. So, <laughs> hooray! It makes me tingle in a good way. Amber has been tingling and practically vibrating this. Entire How do you know time. I wasn't? I, I have a mute button. I, I was gonna say <laughs> I, I heard that. I, mean, I literally said you were. So. All right. Well, yeah, social media, Facebook, Insta, Twitter, come see us. We're, you know, it'll be a welcome distraction in these times. Worry about the Patreon later when there's money. I'm still going to keep putting stuff up there so there'll be a backlog of stuff. But uh, at the moment, uh, we get it. Uh, it's it's uh, not the most important thing in your life right now. Um, and we just want to be here for you. So I disagree. Spend your entire stimulus check on us. <laughs> Maybe when the stimulus checks start coming in, we'll start vlogging the Patreon again. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, make, make sure you listen to our old tiny crimey. We're going to be dropping those. We're going to try for Mondays. Occasionally we might hit on a Tuesday. It depends. You know, like I would say we have live. We, but don't. Really don't. we don't. We're just kind of anxious and depressed and everything. So, and have no schedule or idea of what time is anymore. So yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, stay well, stay sane, or you know whatever. If you gotta be as a close crazy as you can come without going over is is what I'm gonna go with for that. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Uh, we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Boy. My sources this week are a Wikipedia, the Presbyterian Historical Society. Edward Beecher, uh, a book called Narrative of Riots at Alton, and uh, that's it. Okay, uh, mine are Wikipedia, uh, americaslibrary.gov, Encyclopedia Britannica, and colby.edu. My sources this week are Wikipedia, a video on YouTube from the History Guy, History Deserves to be Remembered, on the death of Elijah Lovejoy, the colby.edu website, the story of Elijah Parrish Lovejoy, and the National Abolition Hall of Fame and Museum.org.